This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Adam and Adrian. Fart knockers, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Oh, well, I'm not a fart knocker, but hello, everybody. It's Aid. I have some sources to cite for that. I will have you know. Your mom and I are having a very lively discussion in the Patreon chat. I'll let you know. Oh, my God. Don't talk to my mom. We're friends now. She's on my holiday oh, gift card list or whatever. <laughs> She's much nicer than I am. So. I know. It's weird, right? She's all maternal and shit. Meanwhile, you're like, uh, Jake's got a face. Fuck him. Oh, I hate faces. That's so gross. So this is going to be a clusterfuck of an episode. Gee, I didn't even get to I didn't even get to announce myself today. How am I supposed to follow that? Oh <laughs> he pulled an Adrian. Sigh H H H H H G H H exclamation H. Okay, I Although, don't sound like an old Southern lady, by the way. <laughs> I will actually defend Aid here because I announced you first, then her. Age before beauty, you decrepit fart knocker. Oh, I'm playing both <laughs> sides. It's like Survivor. I'm staying on this fucking island. Hey, I know I'm an old piece of shit. My limbs are falling off. So I gotta stitch them back on. It's shit. Oh. No, I'm really oh, sad. I'm just, I'm really sad, guys, that like there wasn't a Survivor series during COVID where like nobody knew that like the world fucking ended in 2020 and they come back and like, oh, wow, we were on an island starving, but this shit sucked. I want to go back to my little island. I think Jared Leto was doing that shit. Like he was out on his cult island and then he like showed up in like mid-April. He's like, oh, I didn't know this was going on because I have money. He's awful. Mm. I don't like him. He he is. He is in so many ways, but I can appreciate certain parts of his role. Yeah, but he's so pretty. Like, come on now. (laughs) Okay, Adrian, I'm sorry. You're a fan of Davey Havoc. You're not allowed to like Jared Leto, the guy from 30 Seconds to Mars who, just Google it, stole Davey's swagger. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe he didn't steal it. He's like emulating him, right? Well, there is something okay, to be said I'm about. Not, I'm not trying to. <laughs> Davy did steal a little bit of Jeff Hardy's swag too, which, if you notice, like the arm sleevey things and stuff. So I'm like, huh, something to be said. Mm-hmm. Those touches in that Shining video they did were totally ripping off fucking Leaving Song Park too. Ooh. I'm sorry, Davy's spin kicks were better than anything Jared did in that video. Oh, I mean, I don't. I only like a few songs from Thirty Seconds to Mars. I'm not a huge fan like i just like his face so there you go do you like the face where it has the lipstick and damaged across its forehead do you like that face no i don't like that although do you like the dog dick lipstick very reminiscent to many ugly fucking guys that i've dated in the past yeah Uh, right? exactly so you know whatever maybe like 10 years ago my type but not now. So when your brows were just young little seedlings. Yeah, when they weren't there, that's what I liked. <laughs> they were just a twinkle on your brows. Uh, you remember there's those <laughs> things where it's like an, oh, like not an Etch-a-Sketch, but the magnet things where you can make like a little hair on the guy. <laughs> the woolly willy. Yeah, that was Adrian's oh, yeah. eyebrows for about 10 years and they finally come back. Oh my God, let's make toys. <laughs> Adrian, how did you make your eyebrow hair come back? Because we need to get them as a sponsor for our balding male listeners. Oh my God! Oh. They I drew them back on. Are you kidding? Is like, there they nothing never there? Grew back. There's no. There's like it, there, it grows right here in this part, and then there's no tails. Like there's like this is all fake. Oh wow! There's anatomy to a brow. Yeah. Oh. Are you gonna get them like tattooed on? 
Or is the no. style going to change again and you're going to want thin ones and you're going to have to get laser foreheaded off? Well, the tattooed ones come off anyways. It fades after a while. Well, yeah, because it's all muscle. Yeah. I'm betting like 2022 new brows are just going to be like giant circles. You know, it's going to be like the clown look. Some people are going to be circles. Some are just going to be diamonds. There's going to be no brows. It's just going to be shapes. I know. Well, some people, if you've seen the different brow styles, they do fuzzy brows now and they put feathers in their brows and they do all these fun things, which I would never do. But yeah, why do they want their brows to be poultry? I don't know. It's just the same. The thing. Yeah. Reddit is weird when people are like gluing shit to their eyebrows and stuff. You know, I think like the weirdest brow I like is a Ken Masters from Street Fighter uh, topical because Ooh. of your bullshit uh, Mortal Kombat bullshit. Did I mention that's bullshit? Oh my God, it's not bullshit. Ken's eyebrows go whoo like mine if I don't trim them. Whoo. What's the owl guy from Mighty Max? Boom. Referenced. <laughs> yeah. You know what else is uh, weird and sticky? All these uh, here Ghostbuster games we're about to talk about. I'm trying to be equal opportunity here. I'm trying to talk about all things because I feel that video games are very male, heteronormative, dominated regions. So I want to make sure that anybody who has interest in other things, such as brow game, is represented <laughs> before we get to video game. No, it's not. That's not true because I play video games. I've just never played these ones. Have you played like, brow video games? Like, are there cheat no. codes to but those I things? I have played... Um, computer games where you like do their hair and stuff mm. and like they go to the salon like those are my favorite and you have to like how many copies of the sims did you own <laughs> oh my god i did every sims game like i love of course sims. you are did you kidding like my yes. favorite thing so I yeah so i played video games oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh you have to like play things that interest you so i like violence which is why i like mortal kombat because it's violent and it's gross and it's fun so i play that and then you play Sims to get your digital Barbies with tattoos. I know. I had a girlfriend exactly. that did the same thing. It's fine. I get it. And then you starve them to death in a pool. Yeah. <laughs> How does the Grim Reaper get into the room with no doors? Mm. I never did that. I've, I have never <laughs> abused my Sims. I hate it when people do that. It makes me sad. I used to get my brother in trouble doing that. <laughs> you know what I used to do? Roller coaster tycoon, baby. Yes. They had one that was like Montezuma's Revenge. So it's like a loop and it goes up and it loops back and it's done. Uh, but I would set it to maximum speed and it would just go the loop and it would launch. And I would try and set attraction so that it would get crashed into and see how my kill count could be. Dude, I used to build coasters with just a steep enough drop and then a ramp to see if I could launch it off the fucking map. Did that a couple times. Man, I got to see if there's a way I could hack that shit so that there could be gore. Could you just imagine just like <sighs> chunky red goodness geysering out? The panda mascots are all just blood spattered <laughs> and shit. That'd be amazing. Just the contrast. So artistic. What's right? White and black and red all over. A panda covered in gore from a toddler on a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> a headless toddler now. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I used to get my brother in trouble because, like, he'd play uh, James Bond and he'd kill the civilians. And I'd be like, oh my god, mom, Stephen's killing the civilians again. Like, <laughs> like, and he, my mom would come and yell at him and he'd get in trouble. I'm like, you can't kill the civilians. Quick thing. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about all the Ghostbusters video games. And, like, I was kind of referring to earlier before I cut Adam off, it's is a clusterfuck because. I'm going to say this, and it's not just an excuse. Everybody's experience with video games is entirely different. So subjective. Exactly. The consoles that you have, the people that you're playing with and everything. So we're just going to go through them. I, not really as formally as we would other stuff. You, you could get lost into everything. Because when you think about how hard it is to make a game, like the fact that anything gets put out at all is pretty amazing. Uh, so let's just start at the beginning, shall we? Let's yeah. do it. 
Ghostbusters by Activision, 1984. It's 1984. Nintendo Entertainment System. Doug has instructed me to say in his absence, fuck this game. It's the worst fucking game. Oh my God, this game, this game. I hate this game. He said that he spent hours learning how to play it and does not know how to play it. Are we talking about the first one? Yes, with the overhead driving and stuff, which is just terrible. It's just terrible. Now, which which consoles? You played it, correct, Jake? Yeah, with the hats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, did you play the N- Nintendo version then, I'm assuming? Where yeah. they were in the green with the hats? Yeah, fuck that version, dude. Sega Master System's the only version to play. But it's only marginally better, though. It's like a whole console's worth of graphics further. Yeah, it's but It's I- not. I've played both, honestly. It's really a different level. But what about, I will say this, the whole Hmm. buying gear and stuff just doesn't work. It doesn't work for the Ghostbusters mythos. I've never liked that element of it. When you send me to like a shop and I have to buy stuff, I'm already not into it. You know, I was watching back on some of the playthroughs on uh, the second version. I actually noticed some of that stuff does actually affect the gameplay. Like it, it didn't make sense. When I was playing it as a kid, but like it's fat, easier to trap ghosts, uh, certain beam recharges are faster and shit like that. But uh, I don't know. I thought the whole mechanic in uh, Master System was better. The driving was better. I've played that game more than anything I ever played on the NES. That's just me, though. Well, I think the whole Master System plays better than the Nintendo, in my opinion. Like it's vastly superior. To, like just compare the look of it and, and the controls on oh, this yeah. game. You can move much more depth of field. There's that like gauntlet you do at the end when you're going up the stairs. So hard. You you do the stair and it's not just flat. Like you can strafe a little bit while you're shooting them. And, you know, there's different colors and stuff. So I I think that it looks better. It plays better. But still, it's just like unless you're playing it for sentimentality, like don't pick this game up now is pretty much my point. It's just not good unless you like have that affinity for it already. You're like one of those sadists that just likes to think that you were actually good at these games back then and you have to prove it to yourself. But no, (laughs) they're not anything worse worth wasting the time go play the new remaster yeah it's beautiful honestly like, re- retro gaming is frustrating because people use overcoming the frustration like a merit badge like look at me i did this like i i'm good at this yeah. game now and i'm like but why like, why did you sit there bashing your head against a wall for something that's so unintuitive when there's all of this stuff you could i mean it, it's equally free and especially if you're doing yeah. roms and emulators like if you're collecting it and it has some tangible value for resale or whatever okay If it's just ones and zeros in your hard drive, just fucking store it. And then on a rainy day, you can impress somebody and say, oh, I have it. But Yeah. Retro gaming is like growing a weird mustache. It's like there's there's not really much point to it, but sometimes you do it and it's it's fun for a bit. But (laughs) whatever. Then you kind of grow out of it real quick. I don't know if I mentioned this, Adam, um, and I'd be remiss if I Hmm. didn't. Uh, Did we talk about the fact that your Sega Master System version uh, misspells Gozer as Gorza? Oh, yeah. Gorza. I'm actually kind of into that name. I think it sounds pretty cool. Fucking grindcore band. (laughs) What about this? What if Gorza is like the offspring of Gozer? And so this whole game has actually not been the first movie. It's just... It's like the Pichu to the Pikachu. Oh, yeah, there you go. There we go. It hasn't become a full Gozer yet. (laughs) And then, like, do they have a third evolution? (laughs) Oh, God. Gorzazerm. It grows a dick and becomes Brozer. Oh, okay. I can dig that. <laughs> dig that deal. Adrian, do you have a response to Big Dick Grozer? 
<laughs> ah, 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 it was an erection version. That's if you get it to hold the blue pill. <laughs> oh my god! No, I I don't know. I was I watched things on YouTube for it, and like this game didn't look visually appealing in my opinion. But it was the early '80s, so what could you expect? Like for what it was, it's licensed content. It's on a very remedial system. The fact that it exists at all is cool. And it's like, like I said, it's a time capsule. If you're playing it for that mm -hmm. element and like the historical value, yeah. But it's like, yeah. if you have the new game, play the new I'm game. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that's a better game because of some arbitrary sentimentality. I deal in facts, motherfucker. This is, this is a show about <laughs> trivia and me yelling a lot. And I'm certainly not going to mince words. It's like what we were saying before with Ghostbusters 2. We did a whole bunch, a whole month of trauma. Uh, we we couldn't, in any good conscience, say that Ghostbusters 2 is a bad movie. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -mm. So shall we move on to the next one? Yeah. Or the next several, because there's versions. There wasn't as many, though, I believe, right? There, was, of... there was a Sega Genesis and an NES... But there wasn't uh, that wasn't popping up on like Atari or I don't believe Super Nintendo had a version either. Atari 2600 had one. Uh, DOS had one. Uh, that was the original, right? Or part two? Two. Wow, I did not know that. So the DOS one, there's a game where you're declining as Ray down to the River of Slime and you have to shoot left and right. Mm. It looks really good. For the time, it looks nice. But it's also PC, so it doesn't really count in terms of like looks by comparison. Um I'm just imagining that Battletoads level, but with like fucking Dan Aykroyd dangling. Yeah, it's not awesome. fun. It's just kind of a yeah. neat thing and it's done. Just watch somebody else play it on YouTube. Save yourself some sanity. Then there's back in my day, games yeah. weren't meant to be fun. They were meant to shape you as a person. Right? Like what the fuck, man? Like people who sit there and like I, I had a friend, I won't say his name, was obsessed with Cobra Triangle on Nintendo. You ever play Cobra Triangle? What's a Cobra Triangle? You're in a little boat mm -hmm. and you shoot ping pong balls and there's like a sea monster <laughs> thing and other boats you have to, and there's like jumps and stuff. And I've never seen a grown man like cry in frustration until that game. <laughs> Literally crying with frustration. And I was like, why are you doing this? Nobody's going to give you anything. There's no prize. There's no scholarship. There's no blowjob. Stop. Put the <laughs> controller down. Break that cartridge over your knee and move on to anything else. It's like those fucking intense speedrunners or people that play fucking Dark Souls on Nightmare. It's like, why do you want to hurt yourself? Why are you spending your time just like, this is the video game equivalent of putting out cigarettes on your forearm right now. I don't get <laughs> oh Dark Souls because it's like you're playing the game against itself, right? If you're using yeah. the role mechanic, obviously that is a, me a mechanic of the game that is in direct defiance and contradiction of like the substance of it. So you're basically mm. gaming the game in order to do it. But it's also, I yeah. get that it's, it's impossible to do otherwise, but like, why do I want to look at some guy's butt clad in armor rolling for 16 hours of gameplay? No, that just sounds fucking annoying. It's like an aluminum Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah but you act like people don't cry over video games like people do they scream and they go crazy all oh, these Fortnite children my god i Dude. know watch a great video that made it to the front page of reddit the other day kid just chucked a phone because he lost on PUBG. Broke a $500 phone. Dude, it's fucking nuts. Back when I was working in energy efficiency, like going into homes and doing the energy audits and shit, like I'd go into some houses, these kids would be like fucking playing this like little savages. And I had to like mind where I'm walking with all my shit that I'm being paid to install into the house so as not to cross the path of this Fortnite just 
it blows my mind. But it's even before Fortnite, because growing up, my brother was psycho on video games, still is. Like, he has everything. I have my moments. I remember one time I headbutted my N64 controller and the joystick went, got stuck. <laughs> I pulled, it still worked. Nobody knew. I, I'm telling you guys for Did the first time. Did you have time. a little imprint on your forehead? Maybe. Look like Dr. Manhattan or something. I'm the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have the little pebble rattle sound in that controller from now on at Not that point? I will say, on the topic of getting frustrated, I can already imagine that there's going to be somebody with some self-righteous indignation if I don't clarify. I had only mentioned the Atari 2600 version of Ghostbusters 2. There's the other version as well, which is the Commodore 64, Atari ST, Amstrad, Amiga, MSX, ZX Spectrum, or ZX Spectrum, if you want to be British about it. Then there's the Dynamics version. Then there's the home console version. So... Wait, what is that? The Queen's Nintendo? I've yeah. never heard of this shit. It's British. <laughs> There's a bunch of games for it. It always looks like brightly colored. People mention it in stuff and you can emulate it, but it's like, why? There's no, I've never found any game for any of those consoles. Where I'm like, I have to play this. It's like, is Mario a plumber over there? Or is he just like, <laughs> your princess is in another loo? Yeah, that's the console that got the uh, Thundercats game. And the Thundercats <gasps> game looks like shit. And it looks like it plays oh, okay, like shit. So it's one of those. Yeah, it looks kind of like Rygar, but shitty. And I just didn't need to play. Ooh. Anyway, Ghostbusters 2. Uh, Adam, you, we were talking and you were like, what's your favorite? New Ghostbusters 2 is my favorite Ghostbusters game of all time. People lose their mind when they hear that because there's some people who find the second. So I'll get into it. The only game hmm. where you can play is Winston and Lewis. So you get the original guys and you get them. So five people to play as you pick two at your discretion. So there's oh. no set pairs. And then... You pick the two, you go on an adventure. One button is what uses the Neutrona wand and you blast them and hold them in place. Then the other button, which is B, is the catching them with the ghost trap. So Ooh. it's a cute little dynamic and it's the most ghostbustery in my opinion because when you just blow up the ghost, they don't just blow up the ghost. And like Gozer mm. isn't a ghost. So when they blow it up, it's it's not like just exploding it. It's, a, it's like an entity. So it always... I never liked the idea that you're killing the killed. I like the idea that like Ooh. you have to do something with it because you have to be more a little more in ingenuity. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was more it was always more about wrangling than it was destroying. Exactly. So Aid, I think this was in your notes too. Did you get to actually play this one? No, no. I watched somebody play it online. <laughs> it's super cute. It is super cute. They're like little round. Like, is it the same one? Because I know there's different versions. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, and you, there's two of them and they're walking around in like little rooms. It kind of reminded me of um, Pokemon. Like Pokemon. Pokemon, yeah. Yeah. And that, see, like that I can play. Like that I, I won't like freak out. Like, it doesn't scare me. Like, any of the games now where you're like 3D and you have to turn around and look behind you, I can't. The anxiety I get playing that. So this is really cute. Yeah, and Dana even appears in it, which is pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. I love that. And some of those games, they don't need the graphics as long as they're doing it with the gameplay and how they're delivering the story. They're better than some of the things with all the bells and whistles. I mean, fuck. I mean, just coming as a Final Fantasy VII fan, that game, you go back and look at that original PS1 version and it looks like boxes of shit. But, I mean, the fucking story made up for it and the playability, it was just fun. So I think that goes a long way. Yeah, and some people get frustrated because, like, the second character is computer-controlled. And so mm. you just kind of have to wrangle it until that computer gets to a position where you can press B and catch it. Because you can press B mm. on it any time, and it'll launch the trap from wherever it's facing forward. 
So you, it's like mm-hmm. a, a game of patience and skill because sometimes you have to re-wrangle them and sometimes you have to walk around so he'll follow you. But I like that dynamic. I like that frustration. So some people get pissy with the AI, but I think that actually that's part of the gameplay. Mm. Yeah, that's fun, though. And it's cute as fuck, as aforementioned. They're little chibis and they're like giant yeah. heads equal to, if not greater than, the size of their body. They're so cute. I'm like, oh, I could still play this. This would be fun. Can't go wrong with chibi. Yeah. I might find an emulator of that myself. Oh, it's great. And then <sighs> the original Ghostbusters 2 game, uh, there's the Nintendo one, and then there's the Game Boy one, which is the same basic thing as the new Ghostbusters. So that was the one that I played. Do you want to talk about it, the Nintendo one? Yeah, the Nintendo one was just fucking hard as shit. I mean, you start off in a sewer level that's not really in the movie. You're just running... It's weird it, that first level plays like manga reads. It goes from the other side of the stage. You're going from uh, right to left and uh, it basically just blasting slime at ghosts that go up and down on the screen. And there's this little gold beetle that follows you. But then uh, there's a bunch of driving levels that are just like really stupid shit. Like there is frustrating as again, I'm going back to Battletoads, the, the jet bike levels where you're trying to clear the gaps and everything. You have to perfectly hit these little speed marks hit the jumps at the right time. And then sometimes there's a ghost in your jumping path and you can't avoid it. So you're, you're fucked regardless. But yep. I mean, you get to control the, the Statue of Liberty at the end. It's, it's fun. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. You're basically going back and forth in the Harbor blasting ghosts, uh, kind of space invaders esque, but a little quicker, more like centipede maybe, but, uh, yeah, it's an improvement over the first one. Um, <laughs> Though I got to say, Master System, it, it, Catching the Ghost was still better than that. I'm just looking at something because I want to make sure I don't screw something up. Because one of the games you play is a Statue of Liberty and it's a side scroller, which I believe is this one. And then there's the one where you're yep. looking from overhead down and you're actually using the Nintendo controller and it, it, you actually see the feet. But it's not the Advantage controller, it's just a regular controller. And I think that was a computer game. I just don't want to sound stupid. Because I don't want to be judged because I'm sensitive. Push your glasses up, honey. I think it is. But who cares? If I don't remember it, it means that the game wasn't good enough for me to get good at and beat. But I think it's the PC Ghostbusters 2. Yep, looking Mm. at it now. Found it because I'm a genius. Moving on. Aid, do you have anything to say about this game that you probably didn't play? No, I'm good. Yep. It's a game. (laughs) It's a game. Yay. (laughs) And uh, so I guess we'll get into the the PC version, like I said. Just again, Mm. watch a walkthrough of it. Uh, the only really good thing I have to say is that instead of the four Ghostbusters and tunics with the baby at the end, it's not that in the portrait. It becomes Slimer holding the baby, which I think is way less creepy for some reason. Like four scantily clad men and a baby. It kind of looks like that meme of the girl on the couch with it the guys. You know? it's, just, it's not. I don't need that. That's fine. I wouldn't let my kid be in that picture. That's not good. No. <laughs> No, who lets four contractors hold their child while wearing sheets? <laughs> when you put it like that, it's a very sensible response. Boil it down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, do you want to talk about the Sega game? Because this is the one I think is going to merit I'll probably the most discussion until we get to the very penultimate yeah. game. The now, meat. This is, uh, this is a good one. This is Doug's favorite. This is probably my uh, third favorite, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, I'd never owned it myself. My buddy had it. I watched him play at his house, uh, but you had it, I assume. Yeah. Mm. And so it's one of those games where, you know, doesn't necessarily feel Ghostbusters-y at all. I, I never liked the fact you can't play as Winston. It just drove me crazy. Even as a kid, yeah, I was always full of self-righteous indignation. 
but you shoot like these lasers that kind of look like slow moving darts that are spiky and yeah i don't know like the bosses you can kind of just spam a diagonal shot and just jump so it gets kind of repetitive but like the levels i remember the first couple times when you're a kid like playing you're like oh that's cheap like this table moves that table doesn't or this thing does and that doesn't uh, mm. so it was one of those games where you kind of wish it had more of an arcade play style because like having a limited number of lies and continues was just like god it's so fucking annoying like i'm just gonna play the same game until i memorize it over and over again like because it's taking me a long time doesn't equate to replayability which is kind of hard to equivocate to somebody at that time yeah when you have to put that much time in just to memorize how to beat the first level just so you can eke by to get to the second level kind of thing it's it's not fun yeah but I, I will say that the the art design is nice. I think that it's fun. I mean, it, it almost kind of took something out of the you know new Ghostbusters that we're talking about, new Ghostbusters two rather, uh, where they have mm. a huge head and it's equally sized body because it is. It's like a, a huge caricature where they have this gigantic dome, um, and, and <laughs> the characters do emote. They do have some good physicality and stuff, and so it's well. It's a good game. It just doesn't feel like a Ghostbusters game. If you had relabeled this like ghost smashers or something i don't think it's bad because it's you're just killing ghosts you're not catching them so again it's like something i've never liked where it's this weird feeling of like this isn't really accurate though um i will say there's a great level where you're in the high rise and mr stay puff keeps punching holes through the walls and then you get to the top and you fight him yeah i'm like looking at the pictures that's really cute yeah, the sprites are really cool. They are. And when they get damaged and stuff, it's very comedic. They're like, you know, doing their silly faces and, and everything. Um, <laughs> again, gadgets and shit that you can buy. But like, I don't want to buy gadgets. Like, I just want to like have the things. But that's neither here because, you know, it breaks the fourth wall where it's like, OK, so how did I buy new equipment on the last story of a building? to fight an eye centipede. But, you know, the, I will say the boss designs look really good for the time, too. Like, it looks almost mm. like an R-type sometimes with the way these guys are. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's about all I got to say. It's good, but I like the other one better as a <laughs> Ghostbusters game. <laughs> it's more ghost and less busting. Exactly. We got to be consistent. <laughs> we don't want too much busting or we're going to get swollen nuts. <laughs> yeah, you need a you need a, a very fair bust to ghost ratio. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, I guess I guess that brings us on to uh, some extreme territory, right? Almost. We have one real Ghostbusters game to talk about on Game Boy, which is a side scroller, oh, yeah. which is just kind of fine. Uh, I've mm. played it. I've emulated it. You know, it was one of those games where I, I remember having it. I remember trading it at GameStop didn't really play much i'll be honest with you and it was something i should have been obsessed with the two games i was thinking about this recently the three games i probably played most were super mario land batman and then uh battle mm. arena toshinden and those are like the three games i played Ooh. more than anything else on game boy until i moved on to other stuff and i was like what a fucking painful kid i was like why would i ever want to fucking play batman as a child i play it now and sometimes i get pissed off but uh yeah the- it's so hard yeah, it's mercilessly hard. But then when you play it now and you're an adult, dude, I have a file saved on my emulator right now, a save state, and I have seven fucking batarangs spinning around me at all times. It just looks like I'm in a black donut. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Try and touch oh, me. I want that as my text <laughs> alert. It's like I'm in a black donut. <laughs> yeah. It's also a metaphor for my life. But uh, yeah. you... 
if you get it and you play it and you love it, please tell us why you love this just game. It's cool. There was stuff about it being a reskin based on Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse game, and you can see it, like the character designs and oh. stuff. There's like little like hats that are witches, witches hats with feet. It's like the sorting hat, oh. but with like a tap dance number, little Bob Fosse. Um, oh, the little uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice hat. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's, the, it's clearly yeah. not a Ghostbusters game. So I'm not going to bust its ghosts about it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's ghost nads instead of gonads. <laughs> it was a, a stretch. Like Zach. That was cute. <laughs> that was for Doug. So now we get to the Extreme series, which actually a surprising amount of games for a 44-episode series. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember seeing, I never owned the Game Boy Advance or the, uh, the col- I had the color, but I didn't have the game. But those games look great. The Game Boy Advance had like Act, uh, Mission Ecto-1 or something like that. Correct. Yeah, I, I, I think those had some of the most impressive in- game animations out of anything. Like you see Eduardo use his fucking proton stream in it and it looks fluid. The animation's great. I mean. Yeah, his soul patch is prevalent. Yeah, right? You can see that bobbing, actually. It actually sways in the wind. There's a good bob to the characters. I was watching it. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Yep, it's there. But one thing I will say is, so you get parallax scrolling, which is great. Looks really good. It's very smooth and intuitive when it comes to the controls. But also, it's kind of cel-shaded. Did you notice that? Like, if you look at the character, there's like a line around him. And I was like, that's actually very cool. It looks the most like the source material in terms of like quote unquote accuracy that I've saw in any of the Ghostbusters games. I feel like the graphics on uh, the Game Boy Advance were just a lot better than anyone really at the time gave them credit for. They don't get emulated as much. I don't know if maybe retro hasn't caught up to it, but there's a ton of great mm. Game Boy games that look even better with a little bit of like modulation in the emulator uh, where it just smooths oh, yeah. it out a bit. And they play really nicely. It basically has, you know, four button control plus D-pad plus start stop. I like all of my Game Boy uh, GBA games. I still have mm. a Game Boy Advance Micro. I play very consistently. I never had one. You're missing out. <laughs> you should get one. The micro is cute too. You can fit it in your pocket. And you know, you ever have one of those pockets? It's like all you can fit in here is like one key or some change. You can also mm-hmm. fit a Game Boy Advance micro in there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta snag one of those. I can't fit my 3DS in there. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> I wonder if I could play one of those though with my giant fucking hands. <laughs> you can. It's oh just, my gosh. Adam just wanted everyone to know that he has giant hands. Giant oh, look feet at them. Too. I mean, I've been mocked for them my whole life. It's like I, know, I was thinking that because I'm like, how did he get that little moogly on his finger? He's like, he's gonna have a really big ass finger to fit that on there, right? <laughs> I got hands like a fucking swamp witch. <laughs> so when you say swamp witch, are you talking about like a witch who lives in a swamp or a sandwich that's made out of swamp? Ooh. <laughs> oh, I get it. Hmm. Uh, uh, go. I want to talk about the Game Boy Color game. It is not mm. good. It looks good. It is not a fun mm. game to play. I tried playing it for this episode, and it is slow. And the only fun part about it that I found is that Eduardo, when he walks, he like shrugs his shoulders. He's all upper body, like really minimal lower body. But there is the cool, you can shoot up and around in like 180 degrees of motion. So there's a really good mm. like pivoting animation, but it just, it's slow. There's never really all that many enemies on screen. It just doesn't feel frenetic at all. And it's fine. 
Yeah, then you get to that other one, and you play as Eduardo and Kylie, and I guess they both have different, like, physical controls, like mm-hmm. how he's a lot more faster and agile, as where, like, Eduardo's more uh, weapon-heavy and stuff like that. I thought that was cool, but Garrett and Roland getting no fucking love again. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, can, they, can you play as Garrett? You can in, in the other game, the Bubble Bobble ripoff, I thought. Wheelchair and all? You stand like this, and you just shoot. Uh, I completely leaned away from like you sit and you pivot and you just shoot the things and it hits the ghost jewels and they pop. I think Garrett's in that. Oh, like I get toys, man. It costs extra to make a wheelchair, but like, dude, these are pixels. Make it yeah. work. Put him in there. That one's extreme Ghostbusters zap the ghost. Mm. Hmm. So then uh, we have a pretty quiet time for a bit, right? Or did we have a PlayStation game? You did. Extreme Ghostbusters. Okay, this it. is the dumb game I, I had alluded to it previously. So this game in the last episode comes out four years after PlayStation Two exists and seven years after the show was canceled. It is weird that it exists, but yeah. And I just double checked. I'm totally right. Zap the ghosts. You can play as every one of the extremes. So I'm pretty great. Uh, not to put anyone to shame because this wasn't this wasn't uh, a show that I I researched at all for a whole segment for last episode. This is just something. I, I, oh no, I I put it in my notes, but you know nobody wanted to hear it. So, boom. <laughs> so what was that PlayStation game? Oh, uh, but yeah, I didn't want to talk about it then either because this is the episode for the video game, so you can't like blow your splooge like too soon, right? She said a splooge joke. Yay. You're, I'm going to tell your mom. You're bringing the Doug flavor too. That was that was for Doug because he's yeah. not here to do the dirty jokes. Extra squishy. Oh, you're not going to tell my mother. <laughs> I'm absolutely going to. Well, she's going to listen to it. She's like, I can't believe that you let my daughter talk that way on the show. You need to edit like, that Adrian, out. Adrian, Lynn, I can't believe you said that. It's okay. <laughs> she's going to hear that too. Oops. Wait till she gets a load of me. Who's editing this episode? <laughs> We're to cut all of that out. Ew, dude, did you say wait till your, her mom gets a load from you? Oh, 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 oh my god. <laughs> nice reversal. Over here. Okay. Oh my god. Ew. <laughs> she does like younger men, so oh, there you go. Oh. Never mind. If she's into I it. I want to be your new dad. Oh. <laughs> Uncle Jake's coming to dinner. <laughs> there's a, a a pachinko game a pachinko <laughs> christmas photos i'm trying be amazing. to move it on because i just it feels weird I, I like i could talk shit about making adrian uncomfortable with her mom before but now i know kind of know her that's oh, weird oh, there's a pachinko game for extreme ghost and it's not good uh ghostbusters 2006 top-down puzzle game no one gives a fuck about and now we can get to your oh, there's a pinball machine. 2010, Adrian. Is that 2010? Yes. Well, there was the one I referenced, which wasn't good. Then there's a 2010, which is good. Oh, okay. Just kidding. Now, question, like, before, like, the whole um, the new dad thing, um, was the PlayStation 1 game, like, a side-scroller? Was that anything even playable? No, it was a light gun game. It was, like, Time Cop oh. or whatever. Yeah, watch the oh. video I sent you. Is it Time Cop? through all of them in, like, six minutes. Okay, yeah. And, that and that's on there because yeah, they wow. actually play that for a little bit. So so bizarre. It's just weird. It, like, it, yeah. It's anachronistic. And like The only conclusion I could reach is they had a game, they reskinned it, and they couldn't get 
their original rights, so they just got rights to this canceled show. I'm assuming that maybe Adelaide Productions owned more of it than Columbia Pictures or Sony at that point. Uh, mm. But it's just odd. It's an extreme choice. You know, extre- <laughs> did I say on the last one, extreme was almost called Super Ghostbusters? Oh my god. Oh, that would have been fucking weird. Like, if they weren't in fucking Zords and that shit, I wouldn't have watched it. They actually had, like, promotional material for it. Super Ghostbusters. Really? That's so weird. That just sounds so bizarre. The only way you could do that is if you take the zero slash symbol and you turn it into the, the pentagram, penta... Yeah, it, like the diamond shape. Quintagram that's on uh, who's his face's titties. Kal-El. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a zirconiagram. <laughs> It's a pentagon, goddammit, I know. Don't fucking correct me. Pentagonal, I know. I'm just being an asshole. Don't come at me in the comments, you fucks. You honky pricks. I know. Now you're going to be a bug man again. How dare you? Leave us bug men alone. <laughs> and now, Adam, the 2009 video game that I didn't play when it was current and I'm trying to play now, but because I'm a shitty of fat dad i don't have time to play and i've played like 15 minutes of in the past week well sweetie that just means you have a whole adventure ahead of you you know i already beat it it's already done for me but yeah i mean it came out in 2009 that game was phenomenal then they treated that like the third movie uh back then i felt like it went over a lot better with the voice acting because going back through the uh the remaster now holy shit it is fucking atrocious the voice acting like Alyssa milano voices a character in it and oh i am sorry girl it is just bad but I, I mean the game itself is fun the cutscenes, like now where they tried to like remaster some of the graphics and everything on the the facial animations mm-hmm. murray and Ackroyd kind of look like nightmares sometimes ramus looks pretty solid but justice for ernie ernie hudson looks like amazing throughout so he got that you know is he from the like is he like in the beginning because i was watching uh it was like six hour video i watched probably the first five minutes of it and I, he mm. wasn't around he's not that's really frustrating you get the so whole like, first mission and then he's like hey guys i'm here and you're like <sighs> but like what the fuck like again I mean, it's not bad. I mean, you go through the, the training montage with uh, just Egon Ray and Peter's just meandering around the firehouse. You get to the Sedgwick, which is your first mission. And yeah, Winston shows up like right uh, during the Stay Puft part of it. Like you, you uh, Pappy Sargassi, the fisherman ghost and mm-hmm. uh, Slimer in there. And then uh, Stay Puft attacks and uh, you get introduced to Alyssa Milano's character. And yeah, and uh that's when Winston shows up. So yeah, I guess you're right. There is a solid chapter without him. Yeah. Uh-huh. But like it, when he's in there, it's just frustrating to me because I get why you have the core three Ghostbusters. But A, this is a more established team. This takes place after two. So they're, they are a, a unit at this point. And yeah. then B, if it's combat oriented, the guy who was a Marine should do your combat training. You know, just it just, that would be such a nice thing to do. You have the nerds explain the science. You have the warrior explain the combat. That just seemed like a missed opportunity to me. And maybe I'm just adding more to it because I've I've delved into the lore more than just like another. Per- Nobody who's seen the original Ghostbusters and didn't look beyond it would know that Winston was a Marine. So they're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Why would he train me? Yeah, I get that. Just like 
Mm. I get that. Yeah, it could go either way. I mean, just I mean, there is the combat side of it, but then there is it is just a big old piece of scientific equipment, too. So half a dozen, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Well, I mean, I think it's just also laziness. Like it's easier to incorporate three than four. Right. Yeah. Also, so, graphics processing back then, they were probably going with minimal stuff to save in the beginning. You know, it's he does get his shine in there. I think Ernie Hudson gets more time in this game than both the movies combined. And that's, that's sad, yeah. too. Yeah, like that sucks. OK, apparently he <laughs> saw Afterlife and said that he was uh, completely breathtaking and speechless afterwards. He was so into it. So hopefully he gets some more shine. I mean, there's one less Ghostbuster contest with for screen time. Oh, so yep. he's in it too? Mm-hmm. I... And you know, okay. Bill Murray's probably not wanting to do shit. So. Well, <laughs> like, my back hurts. You mean I have to carry an, an empty box on my back? Fuck this. It, could, it was too yeah. heavy and he kept falling down and it was too much. My God. That's why in 2016, he just came back for the movies for a paycheck and not playing the same character. I love it. I'm, I love it. I'm like, what a life where, you know, I, you get millions of dollars to like just complain about shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I have to say this month, if any, if there was a casualty of this month for me, it's Bill Murray. Like, I just am not into it. He was never my favorite Ghostbuster. Egon was always my favorite Ghostbuster. Mm-hmm. But like, especially now I'm like, dude, I'll take it any one of them like let's see this movie with michael keaton let's see this movie where lewis tully takes his spot like i want to see that yeah the wrong ghostbuster died is what i'm saying god damn it <laughs> oh the wrong ah, ghostbuster died I know, oh, my so God. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and in, ah. the, in the game they make him extra creepy too it's like in the movies he's like suggestively creepy and you make up like in your head how much of a like sleaze he is but like this game he's just well, don't forget the real flirting. Ghostbusters too. We talked about it. He's like hitting on girls and stuff. And oh yeah, but and yeah. like literally in the end scene of this game, he you see him kissing Alyssa Milano's character, and then she gets slime, and then he literally ghosts her. He just takes off. It's just like he's it's extra creepy in the game because that's what but... heroes do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god, but uh, no, the game is fantastic. Um, I think it builds on the lore. Excellent. I mean, aside from just a complete lack of vocal acting direction, I think it it really builds a cool story. It builds on the whole Evo Shandor thing. You get deeper into that lore. You get to see everything is connected, like the Sedgwick Hotel, Dana's apartment building, the, the library ghost. It's really cool. And um, in the new one with Afterlife coming out, you see in the trailers, you see uh, the Shandor Mining Company. So uh, it's it's coming full circle story wise. I'm wondering if they're going to include the stuff from the game. I wonder if they're going to have mm-hmm. underage ghosts because they're minors. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I fought the laugh. I did. I tried. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where they pay me uh, the big bucks. <laughs> uh- but the game is good. It, it, what I love is, is this is the only other game besides my favorite game where the gameplay mechanics are Ghostbusters. You wrangle a ghost yeah. into a trap. That's the fucking thing, man. It mm. feels so good. It feels like a fishing game. It's like you've got them on your, your proton streamline and you're just pulling them, trying to wrangle them in. And uh, then you get that slam action in there, with uh, which is just a fun mechanic. And uh I like being able to uh, to upgrade the gear in this game. But again, like you said, it's like, how am I getting a new trap mechanic on the top floor of this hotel? 
the one thing I'll give it pass for with this, and it sounds mm. stupid, and it sounds like a contrivance. While I'll make the exception, I like the the way that you accrue money by destroying stuff. I think is silly, but it kind of does follow the lore with the Cedric Hotel in the first one. But then you're playing no, as the new recruit. You know recruit. what that is? That's your that's your collateral damage bill. You get you unlock achievements that you don't accrue money by doing that. You accrue a damage bill. If you get like under a certain amount in the game, you get an achievement. If you just destroy that number, you get another achievement kind of thing. But I mean, it feels like you're racking up, not that you're being deducted. So I like that oh, yeah. element of it. That's what I'm saying. Like, as far as money goes, ah. it's all fictional ones and zeros, right? But you're playing as yeah. a recruit, so you can upgrade the recruit's abilities as well. So it's not just There's the gear. no punishment. Exactly. But you're playing as the guy getting better. So the more you yeah. shoot your laser into walls, the more you know how to use your laser. So it logically follows that you are getting better. And it's not just buying gear. It's buying a stronger slam mechanic or you know all yep. these other things. So it works better to me. I mean, it's still, like you said, it's silly, but it's it's gamification. What else can you do? You'd oh. complain if you didn't have an option like that, too. I mean, I'm completely in love with it. I love the upgrade system. Like I, like I said, we were talking in the chat. I want to get to pitching the perfect Ghostbusters game, which don't <laughs> listen up. Fucking steal my idea. You don't have to give me shit. Just make the fucking game. It's perfect. I'm going to give you magic. He'll even pay for it full price. Yeah. Twice. Um, no, no, we're gonna give you something for that. No, you're not just giving your shit away for free. What is this? I want the game. The game would make me happier than anything. As your attorney, I have to say, you should probably ask for something. A mere mm -hmm. peppercorn of consideration. There's an attorney <laughs> listening to this who's gonna think that's fucking hilarious who took contracts, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah we'll get to that in a few but uh this this game uh is really cool the attention to detail the soundtrack that they is just all imported direct from the first movie the game opens up the opening title screen you get the theremin it just it, it feels so good there is a tremendous expansion on lore like i was saying you get to go to a lot of locations, you go to the Sedgwick again, you get to check out all these things. Uh, there's just so many different ghosts. It feels more like the real Ghostbusters cartoon to where you're seeing all these different things as to where the movies you saw, like them fight the Scolari brothers or capture Slimer kind of thing. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. it's I don't weird. know. Video I games are kind of the new realm where there's like no budget, you know, in terms of the presentation, because it, you know, it used to be for the longest time it was you know cartoons or it was comic books where you can kind of just extrapolate and you add so much mm -hmm. there can be 50 different splash pages with a bunch of monsters and it's cool and this game mm -hmm. lets you live that a lot more than the first because you think about it the first really in terms of practical effects and ghosts and ghouls and goblins there's not much mm -hmm. like if that was all the villains you had in a game that'd be a really short boring game oh yeah dude that should be over in like an hour and a half but like this you get like the spider queen you get the the fisherman goes pappy sargassi you get you get to go back to the museum you, you go to the library it's it's so fun you you learn more about uh eleanor twitty the library ghost it just builds up and uh yeah like i was saying this game goes really deep into the whole thing with evo shandor and how the whole everything that happened in the first two movies like kind of comes full circle with this i'm i'm really interested to see if they carry it on or if this game does uh hold canon in afterlife yes we'll find out and then we move on to one of the games that i think is frustrating but kind of cool that it exists there's another pachinko game who cares uh sanctum of slime adam you like sanctum of slime right uh well 
I like that the story expansion exists because like literally PlayStation now is like a free week trial of uh, was it PlayStation now or go or whatever it is that uh, streaming game service. I saw this was on there. So I was like, fuck it. Let's try it out. Uh, I got so bored in like the first level because it's basically just aiming with the with one of the thumbsticks and just walking with the other. There's no real fun mechanics, but the story is fun because you get to see what happened to Janusz. Like his story starts right after um, he gets committed right after the whole museum. They bring him into the uh, the asylum and they're like, oh, yeah, this one's dripping with goo or something like that. So they reference that. But um, he gets in there and just like fresh out of the arms of one like old demigod dead guy. Uh, he finds another psycho like cult member in the asylum and just basically becomes the lackey for that one. And then uh, you flash forward 30 years, the Ghostbusters are still doing their thing. It's like present day. They're like, okay, we need to hire some new recruits because there's so many ghosts coming. And they get, they didn't do the extreme Ghostbusters in it. Um, They got four new people. Like one of them was in it for like physics. One of them was in it for like astrology, different things. And then you got uh, the girl Bridget, her name is, was very much the Venkman role in the story, which was uh, refreshing to see. And then uh, you have this one character named Alan that you find out is Janusz's nephew. So it's 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 your basic just fill in the blanks between just little. It, it should have been a cell phone game, honestly. But like <laughs> I said, little touch to the canon is fun. But other than that, it's boring as shit. Yeah, the game. So this is where I'm going to. Oh yeah, I'm wearing shorts. Don't worry. I'm getting into crouching tiger <laughs> position. Dang. The game reminds me a lot of the original arcade game, which is the real Ghostbusters, where you're doing a 360-degree shooting pattern. I very much like... I mean, there's just a thousand games. Ikari, Warriors, mm -hmm. what have you. Uh, it's but, a dungeon crawler. It's yeah. like uh, Enter the Gungeon and shit like that, but without fun mechanics. Mechanics like Wolves of the Battlefield stuff where it's a, a twin gun. You have one controlling where you are, one controlling where you're shooting. Uh, mm -hmm. But frustratingly to me, and I couldn't stop comparing the real Ghostbusters arcade game and this game to Alien Syndrome, because right when Alien Syndrome got its sequel is when Sanctum of Slime came out. It's like, oh, so you just copied its swag twice now. Uh, so if you've oh, ever played man. Alien Syndrome, it's pretty great. Uh, it's I very love Alien Syndrome. Very heavily borrows from Alien and the Xenomorphs. So uh, the oh, female dude, protagonist. You get that fucking flamethrower. Yep, mm. Based after Ripley. So I, I'm a big fan of that series. So that's why I roll my eyes at Sanctum of Slime. But if you have no other option, it's fairly decent. Now, question, did you have that sleek-ass black cartridge on the NES with the first one? I did not. I will be very honest with you. We were broke. Most of my games I got at garage sales. Oh, did you have Funko Land out there? What? No. What? Funko Land. It was GameStop before GameStop. It was like GameStop at the NES days. Oh, no. We had like Electronic Boutique, which became EB Games, which they bought. Okay. We got that after Funko Land. Yeah. Over by us. Yeah. Then we have Ghostbusters Paranormal Blast, which sounds like a shitty high fructose corn syrup drink, a location-based augmented reality game. Uh, blah, blah. You can look at ghosts and catch them. They had a 2013 game where you could look at ghosts and catch them. They had a pinball game on your phone. They had, oh yeah, then I guess the next console game would be the Lego Dimensions, which just has Ghostbusters content, but it's not actually yeah. a Ghostbusters game. Did that content just drop? Because I don't know if it's just popping into my algorithm on YouTube now because of all the fucking research from this month, but I didn't even know that existed. 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah, huh. It was actually part of the sizzle for the 2016 movie. 
No shit. Getting huh. the GBs back in the zeitgeist. We all saw how that sizzle went. And then we get to the 2016 stuff. Well, oh. that game can suck my zeitgeist. So you want to just move on? <laughs> yes. Of course. Uh. Slime City, another mobile game. Ghost World, another mobile game. Then there's a new Lego game that came out in 2020, also featuring Ghostbusters content. Uh, it has actually the four Ghostbusters as playable characters, so Winston is in it, which I appreciate. But again, not like an actual Ghostbusters game, which I think cues us in very nicely to Adam's uh, pitch, his elevated pitch for what he thinks the perfect Ghostbusters game would be. All right, Sony, listen up. You got the rights to this. You got Afterlife coming out. Everyone's already in love with Little Mini Stay Puffed. You got to fucking hone this brand into a moneymaker. And you've already got shit lined up. You guys bought Insomniac and kept them as an in-house game company after building Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man PS4, which is already an asset that you now own, which is a complete model of New York that includes the firehouse already. So you've already got that built. Okay, so keep that going, Adrian. Not to interrupt this this guy, but are you getting the vibe from Die Hard? Hans, Booby. I'm hearing Adam's voice, and it's like Sony, <laughs> Booby. I know. Keep going. That's kind, great. I know. That's kind of where I'm at. But you know, we want. Uh, I want. So let's take the the remastered game. Let's say that's the Batman Arkham Asylum. I want you to give us the Arkham City. No, I want the Arkham Knight now. I want the full range of New York. I want to be able to drive around the calls. I want to be able to upgrade gear. I want to be able to research my Tobin spirit guide by catching ghosts, doing little side missions and stuff like that. But make it open world. Make it where you can have friends join in kind of thing. I mean, make this your Grand Theft Auto. All those raids and bank robberies that people set up with the online function, make that happen. You've got a qualified game studio under your belt. You've got assets already built. You own the rights. Just make it make it amazing. You could do like fucking monthly special occasions. Just take all the ghosts from all the real Ghostbusters episodes, the extreme Ghostbusters episodes. Just make your own version of the characters. Just just put the love in there. Give it to us. And we'll, we'll give you the money. We'll give you lots of money. Just do it. So I have a different elevator pitch than Adam. Mm. I don't Mm. think that Ghostbusters translates very well to a grand scale. I never liked the driving mechanics in the other ones. And while I do like the Ectos, you know, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but the one that they really want to do for IDW is an Ecto submarine. They haven't gotten to yet, but they have plans for, Uh, you know, Mm. helicopter. I think that's all fun. And I think that that have a quaintness to it. But one of the things I always loved about Ghostbusters is the semi-claustrophobic effect because you're crashing shit into mm. other shit, so you're indoors, right? And so I don't feel the expansive nature really suits it. Now, yeah, I think that random encounters would be fun, kind of like a Spider-Man game where you're just sitting there, your spidey sense goes off, and then you have to do the same thing where it's the ghost in the car. You're going to get your ghost cab driver or this type of encounter. And I do love the multiplayer, but what I want, Booby, mm. Left for Dead, but Ghostbusters. Ooh. Question, question, quick interjection. Let's get to that real quick interjection. Did you play uh, the Spider-Man PS4? I mean, bits and pieces, yeah, but... Because you have the indoor bases for a lot of the enemies. I think that would work well if they expanded that with different locations across New York. I think that would help with the keeping it inside more claustrophobic. That's very much what I want. I don't want to be busting ghosts just outside the entire time. That's boring. That's what I mean, because I think... We'll just fly away. 
if you added the slime element, I think that could be fun. Like an idea where you could like plaster a ghost to a wall and leave it for somebody else to yeah. pick up. So it's a little bit less tethery. That's fine. And that's the thing. That's why I think Insomniac is so great because they make gadgets, gadget mechanics, and just in their their game engine, they work so well. Like all the gadgets in Spider-Man are amazing. They did Ratchet and Clank, which is just gadgets the game. It's like they could take this property that is so gadget heavy and introduce so many fun layers to it that you could just build and upgrade and stuff. And like I was saying, with uh, taking these villains from like the real Ghostbusters and stuff, I was mentioning um, like last time uh, when we were talking about the cartoons, there was the one episode with the big uh, like Norse old god, like Haban Agaric, it was called, have points in the game where you have to choose if you're going to take on this one giant threat or these other threats and then have it affect the rest of your playthrough. Almost like we were saying, like Web of Shadows. Yeah. Have a have a favor meter like, oh, I just want that game so bad. Make it. Are you a menace or are you a hero? Exactly. That collateral damage could much more affect you in this game. You know, now the reason I would want to do the more Left for Dead style is I think that mm. a squad based game really works best in that way. You could do it like Borderlands where you're free roaming with four people. But I just I feel like the calamity of it all and you need to be close because if you could be sniping from a mile away and I'm over here. I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same. Like, I think that the idea of being trapped in a location, frenetic pace, that's, I think, the best way to get that. And I love the idea that they would do, like, different content. Because the best part about Left 4 Dead 2 was when you'd be playing, and it would be, this week is this theme, and this week is this theme, and here's a new mini game here. I think you need that kind of mm -hmm. goodwill with your client base at this point, because we're all kind of like, there hasn't been a good Ghostbusters game in 12 years. You just remastered it. Yeah. And I'm glad that they did that, and I'm glad that they did it well. I'm glad I had so much fun with it, because it's going to bring it back to people's eyes. Like, hopefully, I mean, A, I would really suggest giving it a try. Give it a try if it's on the uh, the Switch. It's fun. I think you well, may have a blast with it. With me, with games, like, I can't, it's, there's too much going on. I, I can't oh, do it. Oh, it's very much it's going too on. too much anxiety. Yeah. And, and that's the yeah. thing, like, you know, like, all those games, like, they're fun to watch. You know, I because especially when I was in college, I could see a lot of guys who play video games and I would just sit and watch them because they were like movies, you know, at that time, especially when the Xbox, uh, which one is that with the Ring of Death? 360 came out and all of that. So, you know, I enjoyed watching it for me, physically playing it is just too much. It's literally too much anxiety. I can't, I can't even play Halo without screaming like for I, every five I get seconds. It. So. You know, I can accept like that. Resident yeah. Evil, like all those games are fun to watch. So like a cute, cute little side-scrolling game like that would be nice i put it on my phone and i'll play that we'll get That's that version made want. for you too sony make okay. that one too <laughs> put it on the like list a, like like my dr mario i play my dr mario all the time on my phone like something like that like a little puzzle game would be fun too drop little ghost traps down and form a little screen yes, like a little tetris like how fun would that be oh how about this arkanoid where you keep bouncing, the, the little guy at the bottom is your ghost trap. You keep bouncing the ghost into everything, and then when everything's broken, oh. the ghost is equally delirious, and then you could trap him inside of your ghost trap. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you could be neutronizing him with every uh, concussion it takes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so finally, he's just some ectoplasm quivering inside of the ghost trap. He's just Randy Marsh in front of a computer. <gasps> oh, that's so sad. Oh, oh. my God. Oh. What are your, uh, as an audience, what are your thoughts on what would make a great Ghostbusters game? 
And you know what you could also do rather than tell us or tell Sony, you could make your own game. I don't know if you know, but you can do that. The man who I interviewed, Ben Jelter, did that. It wasn't a Ghostbusters game, but I think that everybody who likes Ghostbusters would like it. It has a shooting mechanic. It's called Opossum Country, and it is weird, and I love it. And he's not even like just the game guy. He does all sorts of art. And this was something he did as part of a competition kind of thing. It was like a a blitz. Let's try and get a game out. And I think he had to do it within a month. And it's awesome. It's fun. It plays well. I have it on two different emulators and you can play it even on your phone. It's very simple. So enjoy my interview with one Ben Jelter. This is Slashers, at least the interview portion of the show. I'm still not entirely sure how to introduce. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time is my new best friend, Ben Jelter. Sir, how are you this afternoon? Pretty good. Good. It's a beautiful day here in Vermont. It's not mitten weather in Vermont? (laughs) No, actually, uh, I was super disappointed all the snow melted. (laughs) Dang. So I reached out to you because I am a huge fan of your game, Opossum Country, which you made for the Game Boy. Uh, What is it like in the 2010 aughts? to actually yeah this was in the 2010 aughts right that you developed it no actually i made it uh last year so 2020 there you go i i my brain is such a bucket of shit i still thought it was 2020 whoops <laughs> so what's it like to make a game for game boy in 2020 um a lot easier i imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right plus you got colors which is great yeah like okay so i think the people that made game boy games back in like the very late 80s, early 90s, actually had to write all the code in a language called assembly. So it's like insanely difficult. But uh, last year, a guy named Chris Maltby made a program called GB Studio, which if anyone's interested in making Game Boy games, they should definitely check out. Oh, yeah. It's an open source program, and it, uh, yeah, it lets you make Game Boy games using like a game engine, like where... You don't have to do like all the programming and everything like at the low level. It kind of reminds me of like RPG Maker and like those games that were once yeah. upon a, a year I played. Yeah, if somebody is somebody that like has only messed with RPG Maker but could make some pretty decent stuff with it, I think that GB Studio is like in some ways simpler and in some ways a yeah. little more complicated because of the limitations of the Game Boy. For sure. And that's one of the things that you do really well is you could tell that how do I phrase this without sounding like I'm trashing other people, but like old developers and a lot of the developers who are making GB studio games now aren't as gracious as you are with like a linear story because a lot of people are just like, Hey, I don't know. Just figure it out. And so you'll get into like these weird script errors and stuff. I played your game and I purposefully kind of tried to find issues and I didn't. Was that a nightmare to try and program to be that linear? Not, no, not really. But, you know, I play a lot of games. I've always played a ton of games. And so, like, I kind of know what I would do Yeah. <laughs> if I was playing the game. And I also know, like, how I could screw it up or, like, ways to make. I mean, the thing is, like, certain there are certain times in the game when, well, I don't want to spoil anything. It's but there are certain right, yeah. times in the game where, like, for example, you know, the, the main character is going to needs to notice something but like that thing is uh, in a place that potentially you wouldn't walk by 
Exactly. Right? Yep, like, I know exactly what or you potentially wouldn't inspect. So if I think that there's a chance you could miss it, what I did is I used something called a trigger, which is like a big area of space on the screen. And if you step on it, it basically makes him walk down and look. It's awesome. And so that way, like, because because there were times where, well, the thing is with indie games, I have noticed that, you know, from playing a bunch of them and in comparing them to like more professional old school games, I did notice like you can like talk to somebody and they don't really tell you what to do next. And then you now are in a position where you have to go talk to everybody all over the place and you don't have any like prompts on like what is going to be next. You know, you see it in old school text-based adventures too, where you're having a conversation with somebody and only one of the like 10 options gets you to the next part of the story but yeah. you don't know which one and you don't even care about the other nine. Oh yeah. You know? And it's like, it's like, really, I'm not that curious about the world that I really just want to get to the next part. And so I think that people had a much higher tolerance for that back in the day, you know, yeah. you had no basis like for comparison, right? It's just yeah, like, this is dragon quest. I have to do the same thing and talk to literally everyone. Cause it's my one game. And now it's like, I have games on my phone that are rendered in 3D and can make my cerebral cortex liquefy. I really have <laughs> other shit to do. Let's keep this linear. And that's something you did really well. Yeah, I recently been playing uh, Lunar 2 on the PlayStation on an emulator. Oh, yeah? And uh, you go in a, a town and, like, every single person has, like, a context-sensitive thing to say oh. in every instance. <laughs> oh so, God. like, I, you could... Like talk to, it could be that you went to the town for the first time. Everyone says, you know, their basic line. But then if like one of the characters has been running all over the place. Yeah. The entire, uh, ran all over the town, like stealing from everybody. Every single person in town now says something about the fact that they did that. And that's just exhausting as a developer. Oh my God. And also as a player. Yeah. Because you don't actually want to, it's not that interesting that every single person is saying, well, I just saw a thief right. in a different way. You know what I mean? Like, sure. there's no like informational content there. So I feel like I'm trying to like get people to the next thing that's interesting. Yeah, or it's a consequence, <laughs> of, right? Yeah, instead of just make things take time for them for no reason. Yeah, it's hard because like you get to a lot of games that have different endings, you know. And I am a completionist by nature. Like, I if I read a comic, you know, sure. I for example, I'm reading Frankencastle, and it crosses over with dark wolverine and that starts on issue 88 i read every (laughs) issue leading up to the crossover at 88 when i'm trying to read this other comic i'm just weird like that and so games like silent hill gah and all these where just an ending is different just like you're saying i'd really love if so many more games could make the experience throughout different right yeah well, although I should I should admit that my next project is actually very nonlinear. That's cool. <laughs> Any deets that you can give us on this? Yeah, it's actually the next one. I'm sorry to disappoint horror fans, but the next one is uh, is like a dystopian story. Hey, there's uh, a lot of dystopian horror right there. I mean, think about Mad Max and stuff, the implications that go along with it. Book of Eli is pretty horrifying when you think about that, too. So I'm into it. Keep going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like a, a nonlinear dystopia story. It's kind of like a, in a way, like a critique of society. Yeah. It's basically like like a very 
satire heavy life simulator. Okay. Like you start you start the game by failing a quiz. Yes. And and going out into the real world during an economic recession. I'm really into this idea. <laughs> and then as you keep going through the game, uh, you have to make all these difficult life decisions of which neither option is ever good. The lesser of evils, yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, it's just the. Hopefully, you know, I mean, of course, people don't enjoy experiencing that in real life, but hopefully seeing sort of a satire version of it will be amusing to people. Yeah, because I used to find myself getting pissed off at my sim. I'd be like, wow, like your life is pretty good there, friend, and I'm having to work real hard for you to get it. And so I'd really like to have somebody where I'm like, man, there but for the grace of God go I, because this guy's life sucks. Yeah, exactly. I just, I wanted to like, cause so many games are like a power fantasy. Yeah. Like it's gross. The, the, the main thing is like just pumping up your ego. Yeah. Like everybody in the game just tells you you're awesome a hundred percent of the time. And I'm sure that that sells well, but I don't feel like that's really exploring like the artistic possibilities of the medium. For sure. If you, like have a non-linear game where you get to make choices that matter often you're like god like what you choose happens like you have power yeah in all of your decisions you know and i, I feel like choices are more interesting when they're like a no-win scenario yeah where it's thrust know? upon you rather than you asserting yourself in the situation yeah like one of the games that i think has that a lot is XCOM. okay you're like, okay, this alien is definitely going to kill this person yeah. like next turn. So like, do I just send my rookie out to get shot instead? Yeah, right. <laughs> because this person's a really important veteran character. And so it's like, I love decisions like that in a game where it's like, you know, you're, the choices aren't good ones. I, I like like sort of like contingency planning or oh, you yeah. know, dealing with contingencies and, you know, scenarios that you you certainly wouldn't want to find yourself in, but those are actually tough decisions, decisions that are like challenging for the player, not just like, you know, or like a lot of the games you're like dating. It's like, do you want her to be your girlfriend or do you want her to be your girlfriend? Yeah. It's like in real life, you don't always have that option. You can just pick like, oh yeah, I can have whatever I want. Beggars can't be choosers quite literally, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I don't know that, but that is, I feel I think part of it might be because I'm like originally Norwegian. And so like in Norwegian culture, you're not supposed to think too much of yourself. Okay. And the it feels patronizing. It feels insulting. You know, when the game just says, you're awesome. You're so cool. You're great. The yeah. whole time. It just feels like, like the vibe always bothered me. It just, it, I felt like I'm not like a, a, a child. You don't have to like treat me like I'm an encourage. You don't have to like encourage me all the time. This is already a video game. Yeah, I've already, I've I mean? already purchased this. I, this is already a done exchange. I don't need the extra sales pitch of making my ego greater. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and even when they're, they'll even write the tutorial to like not humiliate the player while telling them how to play the game. You yeah. Know? It'll be like someone will like call the player like on the codec or whatever and tell them how to like play the game. And then they'll be like, I already know that. The character will like say that back to them. Yep. God forbid the player have to admit they don't know how to play the game yet. <laughs> exactly. You get like the character who's like, oh, I'm a little rusty. Why don't we walk through this again? And it's like, so you're already an expert. Like you're already the marksman. Yeah. One thing I talk about a lot is I don't give a shit about people like on their best day. Like I love people. Like I love the root. Like consistent characters and stuff 
And so to get yeah. there is always so funny because like, uh, for instance, Ready Player One, I hated that book. My wife and I like argued about it because she thought I would love it because she's like, oh, well, it's like all these pop culture references. And I was like, yeah. And the kid knows everything. He just knows it. Like there's no challenge or struggle. It's just showing what he knows. It's like a quiz that he knew all the answers to, which is really not fun for me. I'm much yeah. more the guy who likes, like you're saying, like, let's have him fail on step one and figure his way back up as opposed to just starting at a position of like being a god. I haven't even seen the movie actually, but my buddy was telling me like the movie Kung Fu Panda. Like, <laughs> That's great. The main character just thinks he's awesome. Yeah. And the bad guy's all about like practicing and, and putting in effort. And somehow the moral of the story is like, it's more important to think you're awesome yeah. than to practice. To fail upward. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like, Wait, <laughs> yeah, and I, there's definitely plenty of movies that I have the same problem with. <laughs> oh, for, of course, and I, I understand when it's something that's like a short narrative. Like you don't have the time unless you're doing like a montage to show someone develop. But that's the fun of a game is you like the grind is what it is. Yeah, you know? like it's one of the things I loved about the first Dragon Quest is you're like living up to a legend that's before you, and then you end up getting to play that legend in later games. And those kinds of elements of it are fun. Uh, even if they're a little grind heavy, uh, was it tempting to you to like make you have to like battle possums for XP the entire game in a possum country? No, I mean, because it wasn't actually done for a game jam. So, yeah. well, one thing, I mean, I, this comes back to like me trying to get the player to the interesting parts of the game as quickly as possible. Yeah. I think it's because I, like a lot of people, you know, grew up playing games, but I'm like in my 30s now. So you don't have as much time to play games. Nope. But also, the games that we grew up with are were shorter, much. <laughs> like a lot shorter. And it, but but when I play games now, like they're not longer because they have more content. They're longer because d they make you go through like deliberate loops that take a lot of time to yeah. like make pad out the game. And it's like I, I just don't like that. You know, I, I don't feel like they're respecting my time, and they aren't respecting me enough to realize what they're doing. Yeah. Even though you know, I'm like. If your game's good enough, I'll already go back and play those levels. Don't make me go back and play those levels. Like, I hate a fetch quest where I'm like, oh, now I got to do the same level again with one extra weapon I won't use until the very end. And there's games that do it really well, too. Like, there's a puzzle game called uh, Baba is You where you play the same level again, but they have, like, remixed it, and it's like a completely new puzzle right. where everything you knew about the last time you solved it it's just like a red herring at that point. I like that a lot. Yeah. Subvert my expectations or something, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like if you're going to make someone do the same thing over, make it completely different in an interesting way. I also don't like grinding in games anymore. Like I used to like it back when I played Final Fantasy VII. Right. But like I don't want like random battles in games anymore. Seriously, random battles are like an affront to my sensibilities. Well, Because yeah. like as a kid... I would never buy like a ward or something to protect myself while walking through a dungeon. Cause I was like, yeah, I want to fight. Look, I'm a real man. I'm going to fight everything. And now yeah. I'm like, I spend all of my money on stuff to get people to leave me the fuck alone. So I can just get from point A to point B, or I am going to shoot someone in real life. Yeah. Oh, and that's even more annoying is when they put in lots of grinding and then say like, you can pay a dollar to skip it. Oh, the worst, right? It's, a, it's like, so you, know that I don't want to do this. You put stuff in the game that you knew that I wasn't going to want to do. 
like that's got to be like the worst thing you could ever do in game design. Exactly right. You're gonna torture <laughs> me unless I reward you for torturing me, basically, right? Yeah, it's like it's like an abusive relationship between the game designer yeah. and the player. <laughs> well, like so, I had never played uh, Su- Suikoden. I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's oh yeah. Hugely yeah, people love it like my best friend loves this game and mm-hmm. he's like dude you gotta play it and so i got an emulator and i was like sure i'll play it ps1 game whatever i maybe lasted 10 minutes and i was like this is i'm never gonna play this i ever and he like begged me and was like oh dude i spent like 80 hours i'm like because you were a child and you had 80 hours and like you had no basis for comparison because Maybe it was like this for you. When I was a kid, I had like five games and it was like a birthday each game and stuff. Or I got it at a garage sale. I never got like new games frequently. So if I didn't like a game, it was just agony to see on my shelf. I didn't have choice. Now that you have choice, it's like, why would you suffer through anything? Yeah. I mean, I can't say anything bad about that series. I got friends that would kill me if I did. <laughs> I see what, I see what you mean. Like that definitely got a slow pace at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, nowadays, like I'm much more sympathetic to the action RPG. As a kid, it was like it was either action or it was RPG, but action mm, RPGs yeah. made me feel kind of stupid. You know, I was like, what's so you like saying? I can't just play an RPG. But now as an adult, I'm like, OK, sure, I'll play press the same button 15 times because at least it's some sense of gratification so I can move on. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I do like uh, action RPGs more like if you go back and play like Final Fantasy on Game Boy, or you play Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on Game Boy, like Link's Awakening is just way more fun. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, I mean, because, you know, it's it's got, it doesn't really have, I mean, if they took out all of the enemies in Link's Awakening, it would be a fun game just because of the puzzles. That's true. But I also think that when it comes to like being made to fail in a way that's frustrating, you know, your game easily could have had that. You know, you could walk into a trailer and get shot. You can, you know, step in a dumpster and get tetanus and die. Like, there are so many ways you could have cheaply died. Where, frankly, no offense to you, I didn't know you at the time. I was expecting, like, oh, this is where it happens. This is where I have a cheap death. And it wasn't yeah. that way, uh, which was so relieving in that way, where, sure, it limits the playtime, but I have played your game more than once. Do you find that a lot of people have presented you with that kind of similar experience at this point? Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I probably because you've played a lot of horror in the horror games. Like, yeah. I think that like people feel an obligation to kill the player a lot. Yeah, because, yeah, because like people die in horror a lot. You know, like death is like a bigger part of horror than other genres. So uh, I have, and I have played a lot of indie games where it's like. I think it's just a more amateur game design mistake is to kill the player a lot. Yeah. Uh, because uh, when you play games, you feel like you are the you're competing against the game designer. That's like you're very trying to, true. You're trying to beat them. Like they made the game, and you're trying to beat the game, and so you see it as like an adversarial relationship as a player because you know they made the game and they are trying to kill you. Yeah. Everything you do, they're trying to murder you. But I would say that a better analogy would be that rather than your enemy, a game designer is like your parents. Okay. They don't always do what you want, but they're trying to do what's best for you. That is a really unfairly eloquent analogy for game design. 
Because the best ex- the best example I'd ever come up with, it's like a dungeon master, right? Where it's like, you certainly don't want cheap deaths, but if it's too easy, you get frustrated too. But you also have to remember, like, these are people. But yeah. that yours blows mine out of the water. That's very nice. Well, and then, because then I think that the mistaken interpretation that you're a game designer and the player are adversaries, you know, translates into when people go from being a player to a game designer, where they think, okay, I can't let the player just get through here without dying. Yeah. Then they're winning. You know what I mean? I could see but that like, for sure. Ego. That's, yeah, exactly. And then your ego is like playing a part. And then it's like, if that's your philosophy for making the game, then you're going to make the game unfair to the player. Because the thing is that you have all the power. You're like God, yeah. you know, when you're a game designer. That person just stepped into a world entirely of your own creation. Yeah. So the first thing to satisfy your ego as a game designer that a lot of game designers like to do is just make the game insanely hard. Super Meat Boy because, and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But Super Meat Boy, I will say, was fair, though. Like The mechanics know, are very fair, yeah. Yeah, the, the levels are, are difficult, but, you know, they start off easier. They ramp up. They give you an opportunity to improve at the game, and you can... Stop whenever you want. Like I love that game, but you know I couldn't beat all the levels. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you're entirely right. They do scale it in a way where it doesn't feel cheap. It feels earned, and I think that's a big distinction with a lot of indie gamers, like you're talking about, where it's like, or rather, game developers who're like, I'm just going to make this mercilessly hard from the get go because I want to basically cheat and get to the point of excellence in a weird way. Yeah, and also like. You don't always have the opportunity to play test your game when you're an indie developer. And uh, like, for example, I was working for a little bit. I never ended up releasing it, but I was doing like a 2D shooter game. Okay. uh, Like a bullet hell style game. And I still had that mentality a little bit. Like, I got to make it hard. These games are supposed to be really hard. I don't want to make it too easy. Exactly. And I, I brought it to like a play test event in Brooklyn. And like, there was a guy playing the game and he was just so exhausted of just dying over and over and over almost instantly. And it's like, the thing is that when it comes to like difficulty tuning and stuff, you as the designer know everything that's going to happen. You know how everything works. The player doesn't know anything. So the game is already going to be far more difficult than you think it is yeah. because you already know how it works. You know the magic trick. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, I know, like, you know, if you sit in this position on the screen and fire at this enemy, they'll die before they hit you, but the player doesn't know that, so they're, like, dodging into a bullet, you know, because they don't know that bit of information, and it's like, yeah, you, I created this, like, I know everything that's going to happen, like, a player is going in blind, but I have learned a lot about that from illustration, um, in the sense that, like, when you are an illustrator, and you drew a drawing or a painting, like, you already know every all everything that's in the picture and what the picture is supposed to depict. Yes. So that means that it could be that it's not clear to the viewer, but you just assume that it is because you already know what's in it. That shows a layer of sophistication because I think the true like sense of a petulant artist is when people get indignant, like, this should be self-evident. My audience should know what I'm saying. And it's like, no, you are the one who controls the medium. <laughs> We are not the, like, I am not the smartest person in the world, but there are certain, like, movies that's, like, specific where I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't get Eraserhead, I'm sorry, I don't get it, I'm not my, I'm not the guy, and I don't think it's my fault. I think that's very true with your art, because your art is delightfully bizarre at times, and I think it's amazing. 
it's just you know pushing people in a direction where like they can understand things better seems good to me like i'm not a, a fan of like uh, abstract art and stuff like that just because you know it feels like like maybe not quite being courageous as an artist to you know leave everything up to interpretation yeah you're not meeting somebody halfway you're fighting on yeah, your you're, terms you're not saying anything it's yeah. kind of like being a politician and saying like you know i believe in everything being better yeah. but not articulating what how or why like that's huge yeah it's like uh as an artist like if you if you don't make a statement and you just leave everything up to interpretation well that doesn't have more worth than anything else you know like yeah. it's uh there's actually that same statement that same exact statement of it's up to you to interpret has been made so many times by so many people that it feels unnecessary to continue to make it right and so when i you know you had i believe this is correct got a Salvador Dali book when you're about 10 years old and that kind of shaped it. And I think that's one of the funniest things about Dali's art is so many people marginalize it as abstract. I'm like, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It shapes and colors. So we're just going to lump it over here. But when you like, yeah. there's enough tangible and real and relative experiences to things that are happening, that there is a statement being evoked there. So much that's, more. Yeah, that's funny that you would say that because I, uh, I was in the MoMA in San Francisco and there were Dolly paintings up and I was like, it's crazy how much more I like these than a lot of the other stuff in the museum. Like there was an exhibit that I felt like the experience that I had in that exhibit was so bizarre that it almost like got up to the level of being some sort of crazy performance art. Yeah. <laughs> like where there's like a bunch of paintings that say don't touch. And then there's one at the end that says touch. <laughs> And so I went up and touched it. And then the security guard yelled at me, don't touch the art. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to let a painting make me call a bluff. Like, I have to touch it now. I, I feel like if that, if the security guard yelling at me was like part of the artist's intention, then that would have definitely That's awesome. like made, made the art kind of ingenious. <laughs> that, that, that has like a, a weird Machiavellian scheme to it that I really yeah. love. Yeah. Uh, just, it's like... <laughs> it just makes the whole museum like some sort of bizarre, you know, like grotesque distortion of the art, you know? Yeah, it reminds me of, there's that psychological experiment where somebody thinks that they're inflicting pain on somebody by pressing a button when somebody gets something wrong. The person's not actually in pain on the other side of the wall. So the person hears what is a voice actor suffering to the point where they like black out. And oh, so, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, it, like, it, which is it in this scenario? Are you towing the line and following if you're reading the painting or if you're going by the museum's rules that is so much for my brain to handle i i can't ben why did That's you do this I, I thought that was the point of the art <laughs> was that that we're all in like a mind prison where yeah. even if it says we can touch the art we won't touch it you know what i mean yeah like, like we're like that that uh that elephant that is has been tied to a stick since childhood that you could like, destroy that stick but mentally, yeah, it's only our mind, our, our conception of our limitations that's stopping us. So I thought to myself, I don't want to be that elephant. So that's why I touched the art. There we go. And then someone yelled at me for it. You should have yelled back and be like, I'm not an elephant on a stick, guy. <laughs> I think that would have gone over really well. In my experience, having philosophical conversations with security guards doesn't go over too well. No, never. 
never or police officers for that matter i know we have some police officer listeners but trying to get esoteric it's not to say i haven't done it before yeah just not with varying degrees of success usually on the lower spectrum yeah no really bad really bad so in looking at your art, I think it's one thing that I find really interesting because uh, when I had done my research on you, you talked about either wanting to be a comic book artist or an astronaut, which in my mind have two completely different elements that are allow you to extrapolate mentally, but you also have to have rigidity. And then you talked about not wanting to draw the same thing over again based on prompts from your mom. And so I have mm-hmm. to ask, like, is the reason that you didn't create, you know, the next Invincible or Superman because damn it, I don't want to draw that same costume and cape one more time. Yeah, well, it's it's very hard to, I mean, creatively, my my life is, is, is kind of weird like that. I don't know what gave me that first. I think it was just the fact that my mom told me to draw a flower every time. <laughs> I would ask her, I would go, mom, what should I draw? And she'd say, oh, why don't you draw a flower? And the fact that she said it every time like bothered me so much that yeah. I thought, that not just that I shouldn't draw a flower, but that you should never draw the same thing twice. Yeah. Or, or this, um, like, because there's also the question again, maybe your mom was like a Dolly esque Machiavellian schemer and she was trying to get you to draw different genuses of flower, but you were like, I'm not drawing flowers. I'm going to draw a man who has tentacles in his head. Yeah, maybe. The thought <laughs> wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but like, I am so glad that I saw like Dolly's art when I was young. Yeah. And it gave me the, you know, concept of that art doesn't have to be just technical. You That's know? very like, true. Renaissance. Like, I feel like people have two sort of philosophies towards art. There's those that think that it should be entirely creative and that the, the artist has like no responsibility to the yeah. audience whatsoever. And then they should just be able to do whatever the heck they want, including not having to learn how to draw or paint or anything. Yeah. Right. You see that and a then, lot nowadays, with uh, that minimalism, quote unquote. <laughs> and then on the other side, I think you have a lot of technical artists that really hone their craft and learn a lot about drawing and painting and get incredible at it, but they don't really give a shit about being creative. Yeah. Like the like if if they make a comic, the whole thing is just fights and chases or or hyper realism, you know, yeah. Character design, but there's no like narrative. You know, they'll take things that are boring or just do fan art, you know, things from pop culture and just paint them really nicely. And it's like, to me, that neither of those are really being an artist because they're both like abdicating like an important responsibility. You know, what one is like the more abstract people who insist that they're so creative aren't communicating to the audience at all. Yeah. Then on the other hand, it's like, you're communicating to the audience well, but all you're communicating to them is like, can't I draw and paint well? Yeah, you're a Xerox machine, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, or you know, not necessarily. Some people have really cool drawing styles and painting styles, but but still, it seems not as much of a point to me to get really good at drawing or painting and then not have anything to communicate with yeah. that drawing and painting. You know, not have a better way to entertain people than just to say like, I can paint really well. Look how good my painting is. You You likened digital art to Kit Kat bars and the way that they're consumed. And I think that's beautiful because looking at your gallery on your website, benjelter.com, shameless plug, 
you could just click through rapid fire. Cut, 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 cut. I like this one. Cut, 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 cut. I like that one. And then just move on, and there's no consequence, and you move on to the next thing. Letting yourself be affected, or accepting art, or accepting that art has a deeper meaning. Uh, I think that I find a lot of comic book fans are really interested in doing that, but I find that a lot of other people aren't, and they almost marginalize art as like being overly quaint or juvenile. Do you combat that a lot in like the perceptions of you as an artist? Yeah, I mean, it, it's very hard to control other people's perception That's of you, point. you know? Um, I, yeah, I would say that I, I generally don't focus on that. I just have my own like personal philosophy and the things that I would like to create. And then I create those things and um, I can't really control what other people think. Yeah. You know, but it, the thing that that's rewarding for me is if there are other people that appreciate the same things that I do, that I'll be creating something for them that's better than the rest of art, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of like, a, you know, kind of like your clothes, right? You might dress a certain way and say, like, you know, this is what I like. And maybe most people think you're weird, but then you might meet some people that, you know, think it's cool. And then you have found like-minded people and you can be friends, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that maybe a problem these days is like with social media, everything becomes like a funnel, like a pyramid to, to sort of be the most commercially viable. And Extreme. because the way the algorithm works, uh, punishes you for being part of a niche. Yeah. Uh, unless it's a very big niche. And so like... And even then, you're still like the dogs at the table getting what's left over from the huge creators, or at least the huge names in that genre. Yeah, yeah. and so and so because of that, you know, I uh, I know that like I can't rely on you know social media to be like an effective distributor of the things that I do. Yeah. Um, and so like I, I don't I don't think that. People do it deliberately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if they see like a funny cat picture and they see like some art that makes them think more and they're just scrolling through Facebook and they're more likely to click on the funny cat picture, like it's Facebook's fault that yeah, they right. only show everybody the cat picture after that. You know what I it's mean? It's true. Absolutely. I think you have to give like, people grace because like I talk to uh, educators about this where a kid's addicted to a video game. It's not the kid's fault. It is hardwired to literally give you a dopamine lift. I, it is meant to make itself addicting. And that's the way social media works as well. Like as a content creator, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I could put out the best episode of a podcast ever. And if it doesn't get the ears, nobody ever knows about it because somebody was looking at cat pictures. Yeah. And then that also encourages everything to be even more of a pyramid scheme yeah. where everybody wants to be friends with people that they can cross promote with. Yeah, And so then they're trying to like, you know, do anything they can to like be friends with people that are higher on the pyramid. And uh, I just, and that's, that to me is like almost exactly the same dynamic as like celebrity culture yes. in Hollywood, you know, where every, where nobody, nobody is at all committed to themselves anymore or their own point of view. It's just about fitting themselves into the slots to get higher on the pyramid but what that does is it has like a disciplining effect yeah. where like you, you no longer are creating the art that you could have made with your own unique voice because you are just trying to make it fit better and better into the algorithm. 
for sure. And so, and so I, I kind of reject that stuff, you know, and, but, but part of rejecting that stuff is have, being willing to accept that, you know, people aren't going to, uh, you know, not as many people are going to see it. Not as many people will understand it or appreciate it. Um, but I still try to do the best that I can. It's not like a, it's not like a thing where it's an excuse to do a worse job. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? It's not because you can't. It's because you're letting the thing speak for itself. And I think you have a tremendous amount of confidence. I, you know, people have come to me about this show and asked for tutelage and stuff, and I give it out freely. I've designed the art for other people. I've helped them with their hosting. I do that because I don't see it as a sense of competition. I'm very confident in what we do. And I see that in what you do with your clip art or your clip studio paint packages and stuff. You have multiple ones on there. You've done tutorials, giving your time freely to other artists, not trying to get anything back, not trying to monetize and not seeing these people as a threat. You're trying to be the rising tide that lifts all. And that is just awesome to see. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that's why I love distributing things via pay what you want. Yeah. Because some people, you know, really appreciate it and they have the money and then they like to, you know, uh support. And then other people, uh, you know, some are like teenagers and some don't have a lot of money. And I don't want to like have a paywall that's like preventing people from uh getting these useful resources, you know? Yeah. Uh like I don't, the things that I benefit a lot from and that like philosophically I really appreciate are like things like the open source movement. Yes. Big time. It's you know, it's like you have these really good developers, they inspire me, you know, they're making programs for free. They could be, you know, and they probably do make commercially like a lot of money working at a company. Um, but I think our society would be better if like more and more of the things that are produced would move towards like an open source model, right? Yeah. Like I find that I pay on the back end more because I feel grateful rather than I feel like you need to make it worth this ticket price. Like if I see a movie for free, I'll go buy a shirt or I'll go, you know, do something substantial. I'll buy the disc or something because I want to support versus if I spend the ticket price to go see a movie, if I sit in that theater and I watch a bad movie, I feel taken advantage of almost. Is that kind of the same? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although I do have one friend who's really good about that, and he'll always leave halfway through and get his money back. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I can only imagine how many movies like could have been better, like in the third act, that get like amazing that he's missed out on. I'm far too much of an optimist. I'll sit through the whole movie, like I, I think they'll turn it around. <laughs> right? There's that one scene that's going to happen post credits, and it'll all be worth it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Ben, I've taken up a lot more of your time than I thought I was going to, and I want to thank you for your patience. Now, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention benjelter.itch.io, where we could find Alien Eggs, Possum Country, Heliosphere Arcade, Tapeworm Tangle, a Heliosphere Future Shock, and all of your tools that you've created. Oh, and uh, another game I played, which reminded me so much of Super Mario on Game Boy, The Last Employee. The art design on oh, that yeah. was so... That was the most retro, retro game I've ever played. And then we have benjelter.com and Instagram at benjelter. Is there anywhere else where people could support you and stalk you to find out what's coming next? Well, I would like to, there's a couple of little things I, ha- I have got to mention before I go. Please. One is I wanted to thank uh, my partner, Dana, for coming up with a lot of the uh, story elements and writing a lot of the dialogue in Possum Country. And then... She's insisted that I mention as a source of inspiration 
uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Which has a possum family in it. Yes, I know exactly what she's talking about, too. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have a, the and, brain of a child, yes. <laughs> and then uh, I got two upcoming projects. Um, the Machine. Uh, which if you follow my itch, uh, you'll see it when I make it a public page. Right now it's still a private project. And then I'm also working with a YouTuber called Lumpy, who's an animator, on a horror game that's coming out uh, hopefully pretty soon. Sweet. Uh, and it's based on Thomas the Tank Engine. Yes, so, <laughs> I love this. Is it Slashy so, yeah. the Subway? What's going on here? Uh, I don't, I forget exactly what the title's going to be, but I'm sure a lot of people that are into horror have heard of Lumpy. Yeah. So, um, so that should be a cool project too. I'm excited. If you ever want to come back and pedal it, please, you always have a home here. Uh, so, all right, cool. Thank you for making yourself available, sir. I hope you have a great day. All right. Thanks for having me. There you go. And that was my interview with Ben Jelter. I don't know if I mentioned doing a promotional giveaway or something, but if I did in the interview, I've forgotten. I did it a couple of weeks ago. Let me know. Send me an email, gmail.com or whatever, and say that you follow him on social media and I'll give you something. I don't know. I'll teach you how to install ROMs. That'll be my great contribution to the, the world of your Ooh. brain. So any closing remarks on this month of ghouly, ghostly content? I have to say, uh, with as much that I have just slammed into my face uh, of my favorite content, I thought I'd be burned out by now, but I've, like I said, I just found a new love for a lot of things. Just a lot of the added canon that I'd never been privy to before, I have now been exposed to. I thank you guys for bringing it so fucking hard with the research. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it's been a blast. It's been a fucking proton blast. It's really fun when I can say something and I see your eyebrows go, huh? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> if I can make that guy impressed, then I've done my job on research. <laughs> and what about you, Adrian? You got any closing remarks on this month of madness? Mass hysteria. <laughs> this this month it was much more my style, I think, than Trail March, even though, you know, Trail March was fun because it was something new. But with this, there's just something that's very nostalgic with Ghostbusters. It's sweet. I love the fact that uh, Sigourney Weaver wrote that poem, and I think that's probably my favorite little tidbit fact that we learned from this, or from Jake, I should say. Mm -hmm. And may or may not have one on the Patreon bonus for you guys, so we'll see. Just throwing that out there. You're definitely right about that nostalgia. This is definitely a warm blanket compared to last month's fucking jizz suck. Yeah, and uh, the reason I thought it was going to be such a good thing for us to talk about because... You guys did such a fun job of doing it. I forget which trauma episode it was, but when I was editing it, like it was so cute the way you guys were going back and forth on it. And I thought, well, this would be such a good thing to discuss like a whole episode about because it's something that everyone knows. And we're not just, you know, pigeonholing people like everyone can join in this month, even if you're not into horror Ghostbusters is also a comedy, so there's that, and you know it's fun, and it's a, it's a, their family, and I feel like the four of us are like a little family of sorts. So it was really sweet. I had a good time this month. So there's my little my little two cents. Yeah, and I'll be yeah. honest with you, like this show, if I could, in a perfect world, this show would be a fucking book club, and I would just watch only new things, and I would expect all of my audience would listen to the new things. It would be a great excuse for me to explore boldly into the unknown. 
there is so much amazing content out there that it is very difficult to keep up with. It becomes so overwhelming where sometimes I find that the reason I'm watching stuff of nostalgia is not because I feel nostalgic, but because I don't dare brave into something new. You know, like I told you, I watched mm-hmm. like two episodes of Legion and I loved it. And I was like, I can never watch this again because it's just too much. I'll have to watch three seasons and I know it's going to end poorly because Disney bought it. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But with Ghostbusters, it's great because it's something that's so timeless and it's so like it's yeah. amazing to me. And I think that even if the products have fallen flat, I can truly say that my research has led me to the conclusion that everybody loved what they were doing when they were doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I have yet to come across anything. Even the people in the 2016 one, they tried, you know, it it missed the mark. It should have just been called ghost vagina slappers or something and been something else. (laughs) I get it, but they tried and they enjoyed the process. I, they sure they didn't enjoy the fallout after the fact. Leslie Jones quit Twitter because she was so reviled online. But I think that having something that you're passionate about, being able to add to that lore and make something cool. That's been my favorite part. I mean, if I was a better artist, I would draw my own Toxic Avenger, you know, cartoons and comics to try and contribute to that mythos and stuff. But I'm just a guy who yells into a microphone. But I'm really grateful to everybody who tracked along with us. I know that sometimes you you see Ghostbusters on another fucking podcast. and You're like, God fucking damn it. Shoot me in the head with a Neutrona wand before you fucking show me this thing again. But I'm glad you did. Because it's cool to be able to go through this with people I respect. And just it's exciting. I think it's a whole every episode, no matter what was going on in my personal life, you guys know what's going on in my personal life. It was still a great treat to me. So thank you, Adam, for letting me indulge. I'm choking up. (sighs) Sorry. For letting me indulge you. I literally was coughing. I'm not crying. Slime throat. Crying's for buttholes. (laughs) (laughs) With that being said, I have to say. I'm going to be hosting Saturday Night Terrors on B-Movie TV ad hominem in perpetuity forever and forth most until I get fired. Doug hosts Friday Night Action on B-Movie TV. His show's at 8 p.m. My show's at 10 p.m. Uh, my show is just for grown-ups. If you want to be a little fucking child, you can listen to Doug's. Throwing down the gauntlet, Doug. Uh, but you can also support my, my good pal Adam, otherboy underscore art. He can, you can commission him. You can make him draw your face and make it prettier than your face. Adrian, do you want to tell these people about our red babel? Actually, I want to. I want to interject there. I, w- I want to let this be my intro. I, let's stick to uh, whatever merch link we have in our link tree because you may be witness to a mass merch migration very soon. That's a good point. But uh, yeah, let's go there. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't want to. Just I didn't want to give out the red bubble anymore just in case it's not gonna be there because we've got uh we've got some big things coming up. He's also referring to the mass sponge migration from race dance. I'll have you know. Thanks, babe. Just follow the link, I guess. We have merch, we have plenty of it, we have plenty of designs. Uh, feel free to support us. Everything that we have is very inexpensive because we want you to have it and we want you to, you know, wrap the slasher's pot. So you know, it means so much more to me to see someone wearing something I designed for us than just three bucks off a t-shirt. That's why we like to keep our profit margins low. Styles for everyone, for the whole family. You can have coffee cups, uh, sweatpants, hoodies, whatever you want. We have it. So feel free to drop by our link and <laughs> purchase something there. Yeah, but to Adrian's point, our profit margin is less than 5% on some of this stuff because we just want you to be able to have stuff of quality. So if you don't like it, let us know because we the issues we've had with one are probably why we're mass sponge migrating to the next. 
And with that, I must say, the Patreon bonus for this month, I'll remind you, is Ghostbusters, uh, the one with the two guys and the ape. Next month is May B. It's a horror film where we're going to talk about tweeners. You've heard me talk about RoboCop for so long. We're finally going to do it. Adrian's got a movie she's picked out. Adam has a movie he's picked out. Doug has one. And who knows what we'll do for the Patreon on that. June is going to be Rejuvenate, where we're going to give a facelift to some of our older reviews and do it with our new cast of characters. July is Jalysic Park. August is something. We're going to have alien content coming up. So please follow us, subscribe, like, leave a goddamn review, and I'll, I'll send you something. I don't know. I'll send you something. I have buttons and stuff. Just s- send me a screen cap with your goddamn review and I'll send you that. That's how I'm going to buy your love and adoration at this point. With that, goodbye and good die.